welcome to the Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Tudor, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. My aim is to help everyday people understand science, not the science, and to use that understanding to make better choices for their health and well-being. Each episode, I'll be bringing my latest Substack post to you in audio form. For the full visual experience, including graphs, charts, images, and videos, view the accompanying post in my Empowered Substack. And now, let's dive in. Reader responses to, is Hanlon's razor sharp enough for COVID-19? If my reader's comments are anything to go by, you definitely can't fool all the people all the time. One of the best things about publishing on Substack is reading the comments section. I've been writing articles for years on my website, but despite having both the WordPress and Facebook comments widgets turned on, few of my readers leave feedback. To those who do, thank you. Substack, however, is an entirely different beast. Substack readers, it seems to me, don't just passively consume content, to use the marketer's loathsome phrase. They actively engage with what they're reading. And that, according to the current paradigm, makes them dangerous thought criminals. In other words, my kind of people. I received so many thoughtful, well-informed comments on last week's article, Is Hanlon's Razor Sharp Enough for COVID-19? that it seemed a crime of an entirely different nature to not highlight them in a separate post and podcast. I hope that reading or hearing these comments and my responses to them will help you develop your own thinking on what I believe is the manufactured COVID-19 crisis, frame questions that you hadn't yet thought to ask, and provide leads for further investigation. First, a couple of comments that were left on my website by Nigel B. Quote, I would definitely say profit for the medical pharma industry complex. Not sure about depopulation, maybe. Definitely control, based on vaccine passports. If you know the history of Rockefeller Medicine and the Flexner Report, I would say it is to perpetuate an industry, inject people with products that will make them sick for years to come, so we can sell them additional drugs and products forever into the future. End of quote. And that again was from Nigel B. And my response, the Flexner report indeed laid out the blueprint for the pharmaceutical medical industrial complex that we are besieged by today. I first learned about the Flexner report when I was a first year naturopathy student. James Corbett provides his usual well-informed take in several of his productions, which I've linked to in the post accompanying this podcast, including his podcast episode in video called Rockefeller Medicine. Nigel went on, quote, I might add, perpetuate the illusion that people are just waiting around to be infected and get sick, and the only thing that will save them is something from the pharma industry, end of quote. My response, yes, it's a full-spectrum assault on people's inherent fear of contagion, which seems to be built into our DNA based on studies of the disgust reflex elicited by bodily fluids that are rejected by a sick individual, such as vomit, snot and blood, and the aversive reflex elicited by pathonomic changes that are characteristic of infection, such as swollen eyes and nose. But now, weaponized such that people have been trained to fear perfectly healthy-looking individuals as if they are festering swamps of pathogens. On Substack, Anita commented, quote, I hope you know what a great resource your well-reasoned, well-articulated writing is. We appreciate it. Thanks, Anita. Uh, Anita goes on. My theory is that there is malice at the top and scattered at various levels of bureaucracy, but that there are also many stupid slash incompetent slash lazy policymakers who don't bother to check or understand the data or engage in any sort of evaluation of their decisions, but rather just do what some other bureaucrat tells them to because that's easier for them. Or perhaps they've been bribed or threatened, end of quote. 
I think you're spot on, Anita. That's been my experience in dealing with bureaucrats. They delegate the responsibility for actually thinking to those deemed experts, absolving themselves of any culpability for the outcomes of their policies. My local MP told me it was above his pay grade to even try to read and understand science, or for that matter, a layperson's summary of said science with which I provided him so that he could grasp the, the fact that PCR testing is useless for detecting infection. Karen wrote, thank you, Robin, brilliant article. Keep it up because us folks who do not have a voice really appreciate your frank and truthful information. It reinforces our opinions and beliefs, unquote. My response, we humans are inherently social creatures and it's written into our DNA that when the group we belong to is moving in a particular direction, following them feels safe and moving in the opposite direction feels dangerous. The people whom I believe are behind this scam know this. And it's why they invest so heavily in creating and reinforcing a narrative that every politician parrots and every mainstream media outlet pushes out relentlessly. The goal is to make us feel isolated and cause us to question whether they are right and we are wrong. Robert wrote, quote, There is an interesting analogy that just occurred to me. In the War of the Worlds, the Martians and their red weed had pretty much covered the world. Our salvation came in the form of our invisible allies, the diseases that are common on this planet. In a similar way, we are being saved by the Omicron variant, which is spreading natural immunity around the world. End of quote. The fact that it was bacteria that defeated the Martians while humans' puny efforts were swept aside by the invaders' superior technology actually inspired one of my articles on the gut microbiome, which I've linked to in the post accompanying this podcast episode. I do hope that Robert is right about the Omicron variant. However, Matthew Crawford on his Rounding the Earth substack has been building out a hypothesis on Omicron's origins and I've linked to the four parts of the Omicron hypothesis that Matthew has written so far. I really, really urge you to read them. And Matthew Crawford's hypothesis on the origins of Omicron is greatly concerning. There is something very fishy about this variant, which followed a completely different evolutionary trajectory to all the others that have appeared so far. We cannot afford to let our guard down now. Simone Dier commented, quote, This has definitely been a planned, well-funded and coordinated top-down operation of malicious intent. All countries have been tightly singing from the same song sheet, The parasitical conductors lurk in the shadows. Some say they aren't even human. It's certain that their brand of oppression has been in play for centuries. They will surely have contingency plans if the pandemic doesn't deliver their expected goals and objectives. End of quote. We certainly don't know who is truly behind this. The likes of Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab are just frontmen for the real string pullers. As for them not being truly human, they appear to be lacking in qualities that we categorise as humane, such as compassion and empathy. And I'm sure Simone Dier is right about the contingency plans. As the COVID narrative is plainly collapsing all around us, they are seamlessly transitioning to the next phase of the crisis. Climate lockdowns, cyber attacks, supply chain disruptions and hot wars in the Ukraine and Taiwan are all on the table. Heck, I wouldn't even rule out a staged alien invasion, given the flurry of activity around UFO disclosure. And you can take a look at James Corbett's excellent podcast and video episode, How to Fake an Alien Invasion, for his analysis of preparations for the great alien invasion false flag. Ali wrote, quote, Robin, what to say? You are completely spot on. As usual, I think it's a case of follow the money. The funding of COVID. From who? Unfortunately, I think the harms done by this COVID overreaction are irreversible. 
And in saying it, that is part of the plan to change the way us plebs think, socialise, shop, travel, school and the way we work and our jobs in general. We must ensure to continue fighting these radical changes. It's getting a bit tough and I'm a bit jaded, but you and others like Rebel News, RFK Jr, Senator Rand Paul in the USA and some of the pommies and Europeans are gathering up some momentum and keep us all informed and hopeful of an end to the bloody tyranny. Hopefully this Queensland government inquiry may prompt some boffin to back off on our restrictions. Keep up the good work. End of quote. And my response, follow the money is pretty damn hard to beat as the first principle of investigation. I totally agree that the societal damage is all part of the plan. It's a plan that has been unfolding for decades and perhaps over a century. Our self-reliance and our traditional support networks, extended families, faith communities, close-knit villages and so on, have been systematically undermined, leaving us vulnerable to the promise that the state will take care of all our needs. It's the Fabian socialist strategy, killing people with kindness. I know it's tough to keep on fighting, but we have no choice if we want to be able to live with ourselves. Take heart from those who are achieving victories, whether large or small, and keep connected with like-minded people who understand the gravity of our current predicament. Mars Morris pulled no punches. Quote, the end game is all about total world power and control, of course. COVID is a massive distraction and a Trojan horse for many things to be set in train to finalise decades of planning, unquote. My response, I would have dismissed such claims as baseless conspiracy theories two years ago, but everything I've learned since then tells me that Mars is right. I feel for all the people who've been shouting about this for years and even decades, Eustace Mullins, G. Edward Griffin, Anthony Sutton, and more recently, Alex Jones, James Corbett, Aaron and Melissa Dykes, and so many other independent media voices have been trying to sound the alarm through their books and media productions. Now at last, their message is reaching people like me who are busy looking after their families and pursuing their careers, heedless of the machinations of the invisible puppeteers. If I can wake up, so can others. So let's take hope from that. Kim drew together many threads in her response and please read her blog post, Collapse and Rebirth, which I've linked to in the post accompanying this podcast episode for, for details. Basically, it's an article about civilizational collapse that is spawned by resource depletion. And my response, Yes, I believe we are facing civilizational collapse, but while resource depletion is a major factor, I'm not convinced it's the only driver. The acceleration of the fourth industrial revolution, which has been obsessively championed by Klaus Schwab via the World Economic Forum, although it's clearly not his idea, he's just the Bond villain-esque mouthpiece. And of course, the fourth industrial revolution will render the vast bulk of the human population entirely obsolete. This presents a major management problem to the would-be controlling powers. Previously, large populations were required to till the fields owned by the aristocrats, work the machines owned by the nouveau riche industrialists, and shed their blood on the battlefields to enrich the bankers who backed both sides knowing they couldn't lose no matter who won the war. Now, food can be produced with minimal human input, the factory machines largely run themselves, and wars are fought from hundreds or even thousands of kilometres behind the battlefront using drones and guided missiles. The vast majority of humans are no longer needed in order for the uber-rich to maintain and increase their wealth, but there are nearly 8 billion of us on the planet. How will the would-be powers manage their human resources when there's no use to which all that energy, ingenuity and drive can be put? 
Large numbers of humans who aren't channeling their energies into productive activity are dangerous to those who seek to control the world and everything in it. Not all of them will be satisfied with being hooked up to the metaverse to earn crypto by performing meaningless tasks a la Microsoft Patent 060606. No, the human population must be drastically reduced in order to remove the threat of uprising against the elitists. And the climate crisis, with resource depletion as backup, are the philosophical rationales for these mass cullings. It's for the good of Mother Earth, the would-be rulers proclaim, that we limit or preferably eliminate human reproduction, de-industrialise developed countries and hinder the industrialisation and hence the lifting up out of brutal poverty of developing countries. Our unelected rulers, of course, will keep their private planes and yachts, which they sorely need in order to transport themselves around the world to conferences where they decide on our future without any input from us, it goes without saying. The plan for weaponising the natural concern of humans with the ecosystem that sustains us was laid out by the Club of Rome in the first global revolution in 1991. Quote, In searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine and the like would fit the bill. In their totality and in their interactions, these phenomena do constitute a common threat which demands the solidarity of all peoples. But in designating them as the enemy, we fall into the trap about which we have already warned, namely mistaking symptoms for causes. All these dangers are caused by human intervention, and it is only through changed attitudes and behaviour that they can be overcome. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself." Unquote. And that, once again, was a quote from the First Global Revolution by the Club of Rome. This is the playbook that's been followed ever since. It's just a rehashing of Malthusianism, tweaked to fit in with 20th and 21st century sensibilities. Of course, we face grave environmental threats, including the contamination of our agricultural land, rivers, oceans, food supply, and the very air we breathe, with countless chemicals produced by the industrial behemoths who have taken over the production of the basic necessities of life, from the smallholders who cared for their land and its water systems as irreplaceable resources, from the release of genetically engineered crops and animals into ecosystems, the contamination of the entire planet with plastics, clear felling of rainforests to run beef cattle owned by a handful of massive agribusinesses, and countless other crimes against our planet. But the environmental movement has been co-opted such that these concerns of the early greenies have been shelved, replaced by a singular focus on climate change as the greatest existential threat to humanity, at least until a certain novel coronavirus, with an infection fatality rate in the same range as a bad seasonal flu, wandered onto the world stage. The biosecurity state, described by Giorgio Agamben, is a key pillar of the new global management system that our would-be rulers yearn to impose on us, the individuals that they disparage as their human resources, and the COVID-19 crisis was manufactured to usher it in. Anthony vented his frustrations with trying to break the spell that those who have fallen for the mainstream COVID narrative seem to be under and gently chided me for my anti-Tom Cruise stance. Quote, Incredibly well summarised and written, Robin. I can feel the level of incredulity you must have about this whole, jeez, I want to swear, farce. You must find it so frustrating talking to some, most, I hope not, people day to day. I've just been communicating, shall we say, okay, in the end it did get to ranting, at people on various Facebook posts that seem so intent on pushing the agenda. 
Usually I have better things to do with my time, but this is pretty dominant right now because it does affect everything. I get the people who went along with the whole thing to keep their job and feed their family, but I just can't stomach people who, with a thinly veiled, sometimes not thinly veiled, attitude of supposed intellectual superiority, pushing the whole mask wearing, lockdown and double, triple thing hard. It has the potential to do my head in. Well done for doing what you do. Personally, I think Tom Cruise, that is, is probably one of the biggest knobs on the planet. But I got to say, I do enjoy a lot of the movies he's done. Magnolia is one of my favourites, end of quote. Oh, thanks, Anthony, for the levity. Uh, yes, it's certainly frustrating talking to people who, by society's standards, are well-educated and intelligent, but have drunk the Kool-Aid on this COVID-19 nonsense. Many people who have studied cults have discovered that intelligence and education are no protection against the allure of cult leaders and cultic dogma. In fact, those who have attained status and wealth in the knowledge economy may be more susceptible to cults because the whole essence of a cult is that those inside the cult have special knowledge that those outside the cult lack. Circumstances in my own life have lately led to me having a lot of contact with blue-collar workers, tradesmen and owners of small businesses that provide goods and services in the more blokey realms of life. And I have observed that they're far more sceptical of the narrative than the supposedly better-educated white-collar workers. The Canadian trucker convoy is the perfect illustration of this phenomenon. Blue-collar workers who have the insight to recognise and the courage to name that which the white-collar workers won't let themselves see or recognise. Alison wasn't backward in coming forward about what she's seeing. Quote, I absolutely agree that the evidence speaks for itself. This is malicious intent, genocide on the world's population. End of quote. It's increasingly hard to deny that reality. And finally, Dick provided me with an excellent example of the proper use of Hanlon's razor and a good belly laugh to boot. Quote, Tom Cruise is one of the greatest actors that ever lived. You probably did not use him in your example out of malice. End of quote. Oh, thank you to my wonderful Substack family and those who comment on my website blogs. I appreciate you too. You are helping to keep me sane and I'm honoured to be returning the favour to many of you. The silver lining on the COVID cloud is that we are rediscovering the necessity for mutual support networks that help us meet our human needs on every level of Maslow's hierarchy and free us from dependence on the corporate state octopus that extends its probing tentacles into every domain of our lives. And final note, octopuses are in fact highly intelligent creatures who have no interest in world domination. It's a shame that our would-be rulers don't take a leaf of seaweed perhaps out of their book. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials and make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.